Hello and welcome to the Anishinaabe History Podcast. I'm Chris Wee. In today's episode, we're going to talk a bit about mythology. The lakes and rivers were the superhighways of the Anishinaabe. Lake Superior and the Hudson's Bay watershed is a large area that was known as Turtle Island to the Anishinaabe people. If you travel the waterways of the Lake Superior and Hudson's Bay watersheds, some of the islands in the lakes look like giant turtles. These islands are enormous Cambrian shield boulders half immersed in water, with trees and life growing from their backs. Turtle Island is a giant turtle that carries the world, but what carries the turtle? Another turtle. And that turtle? Another turtle. In the Anishinaabe culture, the turtle spirit is Mekinak. Shamans would invoke the presence of Mekinak to obtain supernatural knowledge. This mythology can be seen borrowed in modern fictional incarnations via Stephen King's Maturin in his novel It and Terry Pratchett's Great Atuan in his Discworld series. In Anishinaabe territory, there are several species of turtles. Some are little turtles and some are bigger snapping turtles. In Anishinaabe culture, the rocks are our grandfathers. Different water levels from years gone by can be seen stained upon the rocks. Anishinaabe people have legends about the water. In the water lives a spirit called Michipushish, or Machibiju, which translates into bad cat, or bad lynx. It is also known as the underwater panther. There are rock paintings on some waterways that depict the underwater panther. The creature had a spiky back, four legs, and a tail, and what looked like horns on its head. Were they warnings of a dangerous place? I personally wonder if the legend of the underwater panther arose from sightings further south of alligators. The Anishinaabe language family reaches south of modern Lake Superior into the Ohio River Valley and beyond into the Mississippi River system. In fact, Mississippi is an Anishinaabe word. Storm clouds are the Anemki, the Thunderbirds. In legends, the Anemki who live in the sky would sometimes fight against the Michipushish who lived in the water, something like good versus evil. The Thunderbird legend can be seen across the continent, and across Turtle Island, the Thunderbird is always a powerful spirit. On the west coast, the Thunderbird sits atop totem poles, signifying its importance to the people. There are some cryptozoology fans who believe that the Thunderbird legend is based upon sightings of something resembling a pterodactyl. Is a pterodactyl lineage that survived the dinosaur mass extinction event that also went on to later coexist with humans, really what the Thunderbird legend is based upon? Who can say for certain? In October 1954, Ford Motor Company unveiled the Thunderbird to compete with Chevy's Corvette. This was the same year that the Government of Canada began the forced reorganization of the Mi'kmaq political system via the Indian Act. This was also the same year, 1954, that Ontario first began permitting Aboriginal people to vote freely in provincial elections. But it was not for another six years, in 1960, that Aboriginal people in Canada would be enfranchised to vote federally. By then, Pontiac's Chieftain line of cars was no longer in production. In Anishinaabe culture, there is an even more terrifying creature than the Thunderbird. 
It is a spirit that exists in the wintry realms. It is called the Windigo, or Wictigo, or Wendigo, or a varied dialect of that word. It is a terrifying creature that devastated people and communities because the Windigo is a cannibal. In the snowy north, if you are walking alone, there is a malevolent spirit that might come to follow you. You might feel it following you, but when you turn around, there is nothing there. You can't run away from it because it is faster than you. And the Windigo's hunger is insatiable. It will eat and eat and grow and grow and wreak havoc. A Windigo is a human who has chewed off his own lips because of hunger. The creature has a heart of ice. The creature grows to enormous heights, sometimes as tall as a tree. The legend of the Windigo has even jumped into mainstream with a comic book villain named Wendigo. The comic book Wendigo debuted in 1973 in The Incredible Hulk number 162. The comic book villain has modern abilities such as a furry body, weapon-resistant skin, and a tail. Some aspects have remained true to traditional mythology, such as his towering height of almost 10 feet tall. So what is a Wendigo? In modern terms, it would be considered a type of psychosis, a psychological split from reality, a paranoid delusion of being followed while alone in the wilderness. Threat of starvation in lethally cold temperatures would force humans to the extreme. Not only that, but it was a myth amongst animistic people, meaning that spiritual explanations for natural phenomena was considered communally and continentally normal. In other words, Windigos were very real. So was starvation. So did people really transform into a Windigo, or did they merely collapse mentally into cannibalism? Is there a difference? Traditionally, Windigos were dealt with harshly, meaning that a person couldn't always be saved from the Windigo spirit. When the Windigo spirit entered the person, that person's heart would turn to ice. In order to save the person, you would have to melt the ice. But, melting the icy heart of a gigantic cannibalistic spirit would have been difficult. That's why Wendigos would sometimes be killed by a shaman, powerful enough to contend with the Wendigo. The legal consequences of such acts will be discussed in a future episode. That's all for today's podcast, but stay tuned for more episodes in the future. I'm Chris Waite, and this has been the Anishinaabe History Podcast. <laughs>